It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We're here for you Monday through Friday And this Monday show is a post-game one thrashing Yes, thrashing of the Milwaukee Bucks 112 to 90, a 22 point win. And wow, I can't believe that the Celtics came into Milwaukee and, and just thoroughly dismantled the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to talk about it. We're the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. If you're a new listener, follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. I'm joined by Samuel Jamison Packard the third. Jam. Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam Jam! <laughs> A.K.A. Young Baby Jamwich. Jam! <laughs> I appreciate that. I like the three jams. Uh, all right, so, I mean, normally I'd tell you what we're going to cover, but we're going to cover the game because this is just uh, an amazing performance by the Boston Celtics. And let's just start at the beginning Sam Al Horford this not it's not really often that a storyline as obvious as Al Horford versus Brooke Lopez manifests itself as the storyline usually we all talk about one thing and then you come into the game and it's just like oh something else was a big big deal but this was the big deal they the Milwaukee Bucks did what Budenholzer teams do they keep doing what they did in the regular season and it it just didn't work. Al Horford just torched the the Bucks. He had uh 20 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 11 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh he hit every every shot that felt important. He made uh and then on the other side, he was the catalyst on the defensive plan against Giannis Antetokounmpo. He every time Giannis went into the into the lane, Horford was there. Other other Celtics were there. Every time Giannis spun, somebody was there. It was a really effective game plan. Like the Celtics put a game plan together, and everything worked. And Al Horford was the at at the head of all of that. He was he was absolutely phenomenal, and then just like every single time he hit the a pick and pop three, it felt like an absolute backbreaker because you're right that like Milwaukee plays drop pick and roll coverage like they're they're designed to basically give up that shot and if that shot is falling I just don't see what they're going to do the thing that was wild about this game though is like the every single preview 
for this series was there's no way to slow down Giannis. You can't slow down Giannis. Like, that's just not something that's happened. And they absolutely slowed down Giannis. He was pedestrian. He just didn't. He was 7 for 21 for 22 points. Most of those points came uh, in meaningless time. That was actually in the fourth quarter. He just couldn't do anything productive. He hit three threes, and that's just not his game. But you're right. It is it, a lot of it was just one-on-one defense with Al Horford just stopping him. But they it was it really was a team effort and kind of having that second man always ready for the spin move. But Giannis just he wasn't a, he was not MVP level Giannis. He was not the best player in the game, and it was it, it's frankly shocking. Like it's been it this was a well, one o'clock start when we, it's been a couple hours since the game actually ended. But I'm just like. It's absurd to see that Giannis was a game high or a game low minus 24 tonight. Like, that's just not what I expected. Uh, I Like, we, we talked about that Horvath storyline, but I just didn't expect Giannis to come out and like like this in a game one. Well, he did what Giannis does. I mean, that he played his game. It wasn't for lack of effort. No. Or, like, trying. He, he played a regular, like, he was doing all of the things that Giannis does, but... The Celtics knew it was coming, and more importantly, the Celtics are one of the few teams that is uniquely constructed to make that problematic for him. And, and, and this is the thing that we've talked about coming into this series, that it's not that Giannis – like Giannis is probably the MVP. He's my MVP, and he does a lot of things extraordinarily well. But what the Celtics are able to do is take a lot of the things that he does well away. So it starts with Horford pulling Lopez like on, on, on offense. It starts with Horford pulling Lopez away. And then you start Marcus Morris and he pulls Giannis away. Which, so what that means is those both of those guys have to work a lot harder. And then when Giannis is trying to attack and you've got Al Horford standing in the middle of the lane with his arms spread wide open and everybody else is standing there with their arms spread wide open and and Giannis is trying to attack but all he sees is bodies and arms after working as hard as he did on the defensive side there's just a little less desire to try and fight his way through all of that and it just as hard as he worked defensively, and then he goes through and, and works as hard as he does offensively, the Celtics had the entire plan to attack him at exactly the right time. Um, and one thing, one thing I thought was particularly effective, and I, I just wonder how the the, the Bucks are going to counter this. Every time Giannis spun, like Giannis's Giannis's uh, mo is basically drive and spin and every time he spun somebody was there and he mentioned it after the game that every time he spun they sent a second guy so what Giannis said after the game was I have to make the right pass which to me is music to my ears from a Boston perspective because yes Giannis please pass out of that because we don't want you taking those shots Um, I, I just thought everything that the Celtics attempted to do Personnel-wise, um, it, it, it just all worked, and it, it got Giannis, it got Giannis into a place where he, he just he just couldn't be effective. 
Yeah, and it, it, like bringing in Baines, I did. If you, th- I did not think Baines was going to be the the second guy to come in and go to Giannis, but it's just like throwing a huge body at him and not letting him do anything or get mobile um, was fantastic. And then you're right, I thought all the help defense was uh, great. And if Giannis wants to make the pass and like give it to um, Pat Connaughton or uh, I- Ilyasova out there, just like they they don't have like great. Other players, Eric Bledsoe had a nothing game, was 0-4 from deep. Chris Middleton continues to be a, a bit of a demon who can hit at basically any shot, but even he was 16 points. So if you get the ball out of Giannis's hands, it's I think it's important. I think the the Celtics played a very complimentary game in that their offense, their I mean the the Bucks basically this is like their whole offense is like we're not going to let you go to the rim. Um, and we're not going to foul you. You're going to get mid-range shots. And I think the the Celtics, if you look at their shot chart, they knocked down a shit ton of mid-range shots. Uh, pretty much everyone from Kyrie, who had a crazy first half, Jalen Brown was pulling it off, Hayward, and then Horford in the pick and pop. Um, but I thought that really helped their defense because it really limited the Bucks in transition. And so uh, basically in the half court where it's just like the ball comes around to Giannis, and it's like, all right, you, you just – you're expecting him to make a one-on-one move from the three-point line against Al Horford and four other guys looking at him. Um, it just made it really difficult hit for him. So I thought the the Celtics being able to limit um, the Bucks in transition was huge. And basically, the Bucks only point when they're in this game, Giannis was actually not. Uh, he was on the bench, but he went. They went on that 15-0 run, and that was like that was the Celtics not being able to score and the Bucks getting some easy baskets and making some threes. But as long as the Celtics kept scoring and were able to get back and set their defense, they, they were phenomenal on the defensive end. Yeah. I mean, they, it just, it, it all boils down to the execution of the defensive plan to limit like all week long. All I heard at practice was Giannis in the paint, Giannis in the paint, Giannis in the paint. You knew that they were trying to limit Giannis in the paint. Every time he got close, they swarmed him. But they swarmed him in a way where they were still able to get back out to shooters. It's not like they left everybody open. It, wasn't, it was never hard doubles. It was just like right when he spun or like picked up his move. It was there was never like wild rotations to try to like skirt around what he what he passed out of. It. Right. And in look, Giannis doubling Giannis on the spin is is exactly the play. And what it does now. Giannis came out of that game knowing every time I spin, a guy is coming at me. So now in game two, you don't have to do it as much because he expects it every time. And you only have to do it now half the time. You don't have to do it as much as you did before because he just knows now. He's he's being conditioned to know every time I spin, a guy is coming. So now every time I spin, I got a pass. Whereas his entire season, his MVP season is every time I spin, I'm dunking on somebody. And what that now allows the Celtics to do is really stay home on those shooters and show maybe you fake a double. Maybe you you come halfway and he just as he turns, he sees a body, but you go back. And now what that allows the Celtics to do is steal live ball turnovers. And game two, looking ahead, can be a a party of layups early on if, again, if Giannis has got it in his head 
that every time I spin, I have to pass. And now the Celtics, if they say every time he spins, he's going to pass, now they really can jump the passing lanes. And all of a sudden, Boston can go out and transition and really put a hurting on, on, on Milwaukee. This is now an opportunity for Boston to not just steal a game. They can, if they play this right, and if they put forth the effort, and if this does play out this way, they have a very strong chance of winning two games in Milwaukee, which coming into this is, I thought, would be unfathomable. Oh, yeah. No, the, the plan coming into this was just the hope to come away with a split. And so to have the opportunity to come out and, and get two is, is um, would be amazing. But I, it's just you have to expect that Giannis is going to play. Like, even with how great the Celtics played, um, I thought, yeah, like, Giannis, I don't know if he was just, like, beaten up, which was so much, like, physical play in the paint. I know the Bucks were complaining about not getting as much, like, calls or contact uh in that game, which um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with. Twenty-four three free throws. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. And Giannis, it feels like he travels every single time he goes in the lane, so <laughs> it's it, it's pretty even there. But I, I I still think he missed some, um, or like was missed worse uh, than I was anticipating. Seven for twenty-one is just not what you anticipate. I think it's going to be he's like clearly this is one of his worst playoff games. He's going to come back with that much more effort and that much more intensity. I'd be shocked if they're able to do this again, um, but they have the they have the right personnel. And like, and when, if they continue to have Al Horford, it says here he has three blocks, but I feel like he's at some point in the game he had like six blocks. So I don't know what's going on with some some fuzzy box scores in uh, Milwaukee, <laughs> but as long as they still have him, I think they they have a great chance. But I don't know. I, I'm expecting the Bucks. There, there's a reason they're like the 60 win team. I'm Absolutely. expecting like a, a much better effort in game two. Why don't we take a break? We'll we'll take this uh, a moment here, gather our thoughts, maybe temper this irrational enthusiasm after a very convincing game one win. Um, I don't know, I, but we'll 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 try. Uh, reminder: If you're a new listener, or for maybe if you're a coming in from a Bucks perspective and you want to listen to the Celtics side of things, you can subscribe to this podcast and any Lockdown podcast by downloading the new Himalaya podcast app, which curates your podcast feed based on your interests. So go ahead and download the new Himalaya podcast app. Or you can also, if you choose, subscribe via Google or Apple or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever podcasts exist. Or you can ask your smart device when you get in the car to play podcast Lockdown Celtics or your favorite Lockdown Podcast. We're going to come right back here on the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't we here in segment two talk about some of the other guys? Because Al Horford had the monster game. Like Al Horford was the best player on the floor. In game one, which is wild to say in a series with Giannis, in a series with Kyrie, but Al Horford was the guy. Most so, important player in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Absolutely. And look, he is – the reason why the Celtics last season made their whole run without Kyrie and without Al Horford, people talk about Jalen, people talk about Jason and all, you know, all Rozier, they all had – if if – Al Horford was the guy that got hurt. They would have gotten bounced in the first round. Like that's that's how important Horford is. He's the most indispensable guy. He is the matchup problem. So we know this. There were other unsung heroes in this, and I won't even bring up Kyrie at this point. I was about to say Kyrie with the quietest twenty six and eleven performance I've I ever mean, seen. Twenty six eleven. I mean plus twenty team high plus twenty. By the way, Giannis. Worst game, worst minus twenty four. How often does that happen? That he's but Kyrie twenty six eleven on twelve of twenty one shooting. So he shot better than fifty percent twenty six and eleven, and uh, he had seven rebounds twenty six eleven and seven. And I don't even want to talk about him right now. <laughs> uh, I thought. Two guys stood out as unsung heroes in this game. Gordon Hayward, who in the second quarter really was killing the um, the Bucks. He had six points in the second quarter, two of four, a couple of free throws. He only had one assist, but I feel like in the second quarter, when the Celtics built up that 15-point lead before Giannis went to the bench and uh, the Bucks got it all back, it was it was. Hayward, who was hitting, just killing them from free throw line jumpers over and over and over again. And he and Jalen Brown, who had a very efficient and steady 19-point game on 8 of 14 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, he just never at any point, like Hayward had that little stretch where he kind of took over. Jalen didn't take over at any particular point. The two things that stood out from Jalen, he had a step-back three, which I thought, holy shit, step-back three, yeah. that's new in the second quarter. And then he had that vicious poster dunk on Giannis, which produced one of the most amazing basketball pictures of all time. That that picture from underneath the rim from the same guy who took that Dwayne Wade alley-oop 
Uh, Which is insane. Right. This, this guy's a legend. That guy is amazing. He And he parks himself under the rim and takes that high-angle photo. But the photo of Jalen Brown with two hands and Giannis kind of like splayed out to the left is like if I was Jalen Brown, I'd ha- I'd wallpaper my entire house <laughs> with that photo. Like that's one of the most amazing photos you could ever have. Uh, but those two guys I thought stood out to me as as unsung heroes in this game. They won't get a ton of the shine, but but they really stood out to me. Hayward especially I thought was fantastic. Um, just coming off uh, the pick and roll, yeah, he, he lived in that mid-range. They, the Bucks played the drop coverage, and they would follow him over the top, and he just did an excellent job of being patient and kind of figuring out what the spacing was. And if like his, the, they gave him the space, he would knock down that jumper. If they dropped a little bit, he kind of had that, a nice floater game going. Um, even that, that 15 0 run ended with him just making a nice backdoor cut and getting to the, to the free throw line. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. Um, I was screaming at the television for moments in that second quarter, uh, when Terry Rozier had a couple turnovers, like get the ball in Hayward's hands because he really <laughs> needs to be the uh, the backup point guard. But I thought he was great. And then Jalen Brown, I just, I think he was just playing with a lot of confidence and shooting with confidence. Um, knocked down three huge threes. The dunk was just a, a very solid cut. And I thought um, he was like in his, with Smart's absence, his defense uh, in the Pacers series, and then. Uh, Tonight against their uh, Middleton and uh, just the the guards of the uh, Bucks, I thought it was just very solid, um, and he's been a, a very solid perimeter defender. Uh, they both were fantastic, but I I actually do want to talk about Kyrie Irving because <laughs> I thought he played a masterful game, like he handled every single pick and pop situation perfectly. He had a little uh, turnover heavy in the in the start of the game, but once him and Howard forgot on the same page, I just thought he was like was just able to do whatever he wanted. You talk about like taking what the defense gives you. He just like I think made the right play every single time. Um, and so when he needed to get to the rim and use his like left hand and do some crazy like stuff high off the glass, it happened. But when they were focusing on him, he made the right pass every single time. He, I thought he was, I thought he was dominant in in a very quiet manner, um, which was uh, just it was great to see because I mean that's what we talked about all like going in the playoffs is Kyrie and Al Allen Kyrie. The thing that is, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm being uh, I should be more optimistic, but I, I've seen uh, I did declare the series over after game one last year, so. <laughs> right. um, is the thing is like I thought the Celtics made a lot of mid-range jump shots, and so that's the thing we, we've kind of criticized this team for uh, a lot, and it's kind of the design of Milwaukee's uh, kind of wanting to give up those jump shots. If those jump shots don't start like don't fall as much as they uh, did in Game One and Game Two, that sets up more transition baskets for the uh, opportunities for the Bucks, and then things could be could be different, but. I don't know. That's the thing is like they, the, the Bucks clearly have the best player in the series with Giannis, but like the Celtics offense is just designed for basically everyone to score 12 points and just, you, you get it to the open guy and they have so much talent where it's just like, yeah, you're perfectly comfortable with Mook taking like that mid range shot because Mook's been taking that mid range shot for his entire life. Or like these are just all players basically one through seven who are you, you're fine taking like you want them taking open mid-range shots because they're 
they're all pretty like just like professional players. You when you looked at the box score in the first quarter, it was just like each player had like four or five points or like four or six points, and that's kind of way that Brad's offense is equal opportunity. Everybody eats, so I'm like at some point a little skeptical about the, all the mid range shots, and maybe not that they're not going to shoot fifty four percent in game two, but. I don't know. That's kind of feels like the design and like the versatility of the Celtics offense is like anyone can step up and just kind of give you 12 to 15 points. So here's what's happening here. The, the, the mid range shot has become the dirty word in the NBA that it's the least efficient shot, except that if you can get it wide open and hit it at a high percentage, then it's a good shot. The efficiency goes way up when it's wide open. Right. Like, Let's let's look at it, it, all mid-range shots are not created equal. So the NBA is geared towards layups, free throws, threes. We all know that. Mid-range shots are like the dirty word. But when you're a when you're behind the three-point line and you up fake and you step into a long two, that's bad. When you dribble 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 and take a contested two, that's bad. When Gordon Hayward takes a a dribble or two off a pick and roll and the big, whether it's Lopez or somebody else, drops and gives Gordon Hayward a wide open free throw line jumper, that is a good shot. That is, for an NBA player, that is a layup, essentially. And all he has to do is make that at a 50% clip. And that is something that a, an NBA player can do. Mook was judicious in his shots. He took, what, six shots in this game? Three of them from deep. Like That's the perfect Mook shot profile. Right. So in, in the first quarter, he was moving the ball. Like this he was, is, he has playmaking. He was doing fantastic. He passing. was fantastic moving the ball, but Al Horford wide open, pick and pop top of the key. That is Al Horford's bread and butter straight away. That's why he's an above the break three point shooter. He, all of that facing straight up. That is his money shot. So give him that shot all you want when it's wide open. That's that's warm-ups. That's a warm-up shot for him. What Gordon Hayward was getting was a warm-up shot. Now, Kyrie wasn't getting necessarily warm-up shots, but I'll tell you no, what. No, but he's a magical wizard where he, he can do anything he wants. He, yes, he is. <laughs> he also took George Hill into the post and put him in the blender twice. So if you want, if you want to do that, go ahead. But if if the Bucks strategy is to drop and force – good mid-range shooters into taking free throw line 15 foot jumpers go ahead because that's something that they can do and then what ends up happening is the natural reaction becomes to move up on that because holy shit this dude is killing us from 15 feet and then you start cutting and so when gordon hayward in the second quarter that performance in the second quarter is what sets up Jalen Brown's dunk in the fourth quarter. Because when Gordon Hayward takes the pass from Al Horford and dribbles left two times, two guys go with him. And that leaves Sterling Brown on the right elbow with Jalen Brown and with Al Horford. 
And so Gordon Hayward takes two dribbles to the left. Al Horford's at the top. And Sterling Brown says, oh, shit. Al Horford's at a spot where he's been killing us. And two guys with Gordon Hayward say, oh, shit. He's going to a place where he's been killing us. And Jalen Brown says, oh, everybody's got their heads turned. I'm just going to cut to the basket. I'm going to posterize Giannis. Like, that's the cumulative effect of good mid-range shooters taking good mid-range shots and knocking those things down and softening up a defense. That is my analogy that I use over and over and over again. Body blow, body blow, body blow in boxing. And then the Jalen Brown dunk is kind of like the headshot. He sees guys with their heads turned, the good mid-range shooters who also happen to be two of the best passers on the team, Hayward and Horford. Jalen Brown makes the cut. Hayward makes the pass. Boom. And as good as Giannis is, that's that's an easy dunk, and all Giannis was doing was getting onto the poster. So that's the beauty of what the Celtics are doing. And can we just say, can we get a hallelujah for the Celtics all season long saying, all right, this is – wait till the playoffs. How many times, Sam, have you been in a locker room and heard Kyrie or somebody else saying, okay, Let's just get through the regular season. The players are going to be different. And we sat there and said, really? Yeah, really. Like, this is this is the really. Like, Mook is passing. He's not taking all these shots. Like, Terry Rozier wasn't great, but Terry Rozier in the first round was, like, a tremendous defensive presence. And and Rozier still shot 50% in this game and had 13 uh, and had 11 points. It was a plus 13. And in nine rebounds. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to say it because at the time when the Celtics were saying it, we thought the audacity of these guys to say, wait till the playoffs when you're looking like such shit in the regular season, it turns out they were right. And I, I, I don't, I didn't want them to be right. Cause there feels like there, there needs to be some comeuppance, a lesson, but like they were right. The, when the, when the playoffs came around, all of that individual crap went to the side. The look-at-me stuff mostly went to the side. And here they are against the best team in the NBA, executing a fantastic offense, moving, passing, all of that stuff, connected on defense, executing a sterling defensive plan. Like, everything is connected. It's unlike anything we've seen from these guys, and it's happening in the playoffs. Yeah, no, the, the connected part is, um, key. And I think it was, uh, on both offense and defense, but every time they would show like the Al Horford defense package and they show him with his hands up and they'd like pause it all, every single guy was like hands up looking at them. And it felt like they they're playing the most on the string on defense that they played the entire year. And so I'm sure the playoffs, um, like the more focused they talked about that post game, but then also having, a week to prepare for this, I think, is it was pretty pretty beneficial for this team because that's probably the best defensive performance as Bucks teams has seen the, uh, the entire year. Yeah, I mean that was that was as connected as as the Celtics have been, and as effective as they've been, and really, I don't know if the Bucks expected that. I really don't know if the Bucks expected that. I don't know if I don't know if anyone expected that. No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought the Celtics could win game one. I I bet on the Celtics to win game one. Not like officially bet, but I thought that they would win game one. 
I thought they had it in them. I believed in the Horford uh, mismatch. I thought that the Celtics could come out and do it, but not like this. This was amazing. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with some of your tweets, and we'll wrap up the show here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. After every game, we ask you to tweet us with the hashtag RainandJays or RainandJunk if you've got some junk. And we will read a select few of those here on the podcast. So let's begin. We'll work our way backwards with at Bill Bradbury, who says, <laughs> I didn't hear any of this because I'm in Milwaukee, and I'm glad I didn't. He says, good Lord, radio takes, quote, Celtics are better without smart. What? what? <laughs> whoever said that, whoever, I just, I, I, I have a strong urge to like physically assault whomever said that because that is just asinine and like lazy. Like you can't just every time a guy is hurt say, Oh, well this team did well. Oh, well they're better without this guy. Like we thought, we thought better without Kyrie. We heard better without Kyrie for a portion of the season. Well, Kyrie's playing now, and they're great. So then that blows their their theory out of the water. And now if anybody is saying better without smart, like what kind of idiot are you? Like, call, Who is this person who said better without smart? Who on the radio said better without smart? Tell me because I want to tell that person face-to-face that that person is an idiot. You're here. <laughs> Uh, at Steve underscore Asaurus. Is that like a thesaurus or? Uh, or a dinosaur. Maybe. Who knows? He says, uh, Horford is by far the C's key to the playoff series. He stretches the floor. He's physical. Leads by example. He also wins the best eyes and facial expression, expression <laughs> superlatives and deserves a free taco for life. Uh yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about Horford other than playoff Har- Horford is real, and um, I I never want to hear anybody say average Al again. No, no, he's he's uh, everyone's daddy. He's the strongest father out there. Uh, he's a great human being, and he's better than you. <laughs> Not you personally, John, but like the royal. No, he's, be- like, he's, he's better than me too, personally. Yeah, well, he's better than all of us. Yeah, yeah. There's a. <laughs> There are a, a lot of Al Horford tweets in this uh, in this uh, feed of Rain and Jay's hashtag. Um, let's see here. Uh, in fact, I think all of the hashtag. Now that I'm looking at it, they were all Horford tweets. Uh, and mixed in was the "Welcome to Erotic City" from <laughs> Andrew Moore in 1987. Uh, this was a very erotic city win. Uh, everybody should be playing their Prince music after this. And April Bradbury, Giannis a minus twenty four. Wow. So, yeah, that was that. That's that's the reaction after this game. Uh, do you have a junk drawer after this game? I have a, a brief junk drawer. There is some raining junk tweets. Um, got a quick uh, a reference to Daniel Tice's quick trigger, uh, which is uh, fantastic. I don't remember Tice making uh, taking a shot, but. Um, I'm going to believe Jake Eisenberg on that he one. Two of two. Um, 
two of two. I remember he got a lob. It was shouts to the Celtics for both messing One up. One successful a, lob. Al Horford, if we're going to give him any criticism, he threw yeah. probably one of the worst lob attempts I've ever seen. Look, the, if it wasn't for Terry Rozier's lob off the side of the backboard, that Al Horford lob might live, live in infamy. infamy. The Celtics are the worst lob team in the NBA. It's just amazing how horrible they are at throwing alley-oops. It's ridiculous. Oh, this is from Andrew Moore at Andrew Moore 1987. Okay, Brad, light that Time Lord victory cigar. We did get some Time Lord minutes, which is fantastic. Ooh, this is a good question for you from Mr. Horse's Neighborhood. How do you say Al's child in Greek? Uh, Al's PV. Al's PV. Giannis is Al's PV. Um, that's about <laughs> it. My junk drawer is. You'd say um, Giannis in it or Al's PV. I'm going to let you uh, keep That's the Greek. All right. Yaskata, Yasu. Yasu, Naka. My junk drawer is Jalen Brown, five years ago, tweeted that his high school teacher said she was going to see him in Cobb County Jail. And then today he put Giannis Antetokounmpo on a poster on national television. That's Jeez. just fantastic I, stuff. I know. I saw that. I saw that dug up. Like, what kind of an asshole teacher says that to a kid? It's just so what shitty. What fucking asshole teacher says to a kid, I'll see you in Cobb County Prison? Like, Jesus Christ. Especially like Jalen Brown, who feels like the like Jaylen's one more like intellectually curious. Calm, like like he's never I can't imagine that he's ever been a problem anywhere other than like questioning authority, which you should always do. <laughs> Um, moving on to Mike Boonholzer looks like a very upset adult baby <laughs> at all times. Um, <laughs> I saw that tweet. Oh my God. I had a vision to, uh, was the water boy, the Adam Sandler <laughs> when, yeah. when uh, like Henry Winkler looks across to the sideline and sees like the baby, like that's Boonholzer. <laughs> that's what he looks like. It's like, he like complaining about fouls. It's just he like, he's very it's upset. A- he is. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Um, speaking of big, beautiful boys, Aaron Baines, uh, that's just in my notes right now. I'm assuming that after he hit that that huge three, his only field goal attempt of the game. Uh, but that was fantastic stuff. Um, for some reason, Robin Lopez is uh, there's a commercial for him with a Godzilla movie. But I, I, I had to watch the commercial a couple times. Robin I Lopez? don't. Yeah, it was Robin Lopez. uh in a commercial for the new Godzilla movie. And it's pretending that he's making his own Robzilla movie about, uh, mascots. <laughs> and those two are just some beautiful, goofy bastards. And I appreciate the hell out of them. I'm very excited to ask Brooke Lopez, some very weird Simpsons questions, uh, before game three, it's going to be fantastic. I, for no rational reason, want the Lopez twins on the Celtics. I've been pushing for Robin Lopez to join the oh Celtics for years. Just, I mean, that would just be so amazing. Just somehow, some way, at the end of one of their careers, like Robin Lopez on the Celtics would just be a godsend. Like there would be scrums outside Robin Lopez's locker with every reporter because he'd be the guy who's giving the money quotes every night. And he's just like weird and embraces that. And if you guys know anything about me, that's kind of <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my basically thing. your beat. Speaking of weird, did you happen to catch the halftime show? No. 
You missed my main man, the amazing so, Sladek. Okay, so I <laughs> didn't want to. So let me give you a little inside baseball. So we got to the arena. So it's in, in Milwaukee is an hour behind, so it's a noon game. I woke up, go down to my hotel, got that free crappy hotel breakfast, go to the arena, and normally at arenas there's like a spread. There's either you pay like ten bucks or there's it's free, whatever, but there's like a buffet. They didn't have that at the Fiserv Forum because Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, right? So what As they, a big purveyor of media snacks, the Celtics will give you loads of chocolate and chips and right. many things. But here's what they did. So the media dining, the reason why was because the media dining, there there was such a crush of media that they turned all of media dining into tables and workspace. What they did was they gave you a, a, a voucher for, you can go to any concession stand, and it was basically 20 bucks at any concession stand. So, but pregame... If I'm not eating at media dining, I'm not eating because I'm at I'm on the court. I'm, there's no I'm not going to the concession stand. I'm I'm working. I'm going to coaches availabilities. I'm going to locker room availability. I'm writing pregame notes. So at halftime, I had this voucher and I was starving. So I was walking around the concourse in the very upper level where they stuck me at the Pfizer Forum. I wanted to watch that halftime show i was standing i was sitting next to paul flander and he was like this dude's a legend but i'm like <laughs> i'm starving so i'm like I, I gotta go i gotta go eat food and by the time i went and got like a sandwich and came back and sat down the game had restarted like that's how long it took me to stand in line no, and bad. get the food like i literally sat down and they were inbounding the ball so I missed the entire halftime show, and I'm very upset about this. Well, let me tell you, it's the amazing Sladek. He puts about 15 chairs on top of each other and then stands upside down on top of his head on top. It's uh, dangerous. It's reckless. It's fantastic stuff. And he's like 67 years old. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it, he basically blows Red Panda out of the water. Red Panda can kick rocks. The amazing Sladek oh, is the greatest. Come on. No, don't shit on Red Panda. <laughs> She's great. She, I mean, she's, this guy she, look, is eight times further in the air than she he's, is. He's better. He, you can say he's better, but don't shit on Red Panda. It's a, I'm, it's I'm a zero, pro it's, Red Panda. It's a zero-sum game in my halftime routine. Either you're the amazing Sladek or you're like the BF dog, like the freaking Franklin from 76 who <laughs> just climbs a ladder. All right, like, so come on. Can I, can I say, like, after all of that, like, um, it, I don't know if anybody saw this, but the Bango – I like the Bango mascot. From uh, from Milwaukee, he in one of or she or it whatever I don't know what the pronoun is, but the amazing Sladek assisted Bango in Bango's own chair stacking. Oh, that's see team player. But the chair stacking was like those like plastic chairs that when you stack they just like slide right into one another. So it was a it was a fun little bit where Bango just like oh he's going for three and just like slid and they're the same height so it was just kind of a but oh, the amazing slid deck like it was a goof but did the whole like with the pole like reaching the chair up to Bango it was it was a fun it was a fun little goof see that's Ledeck's money um yeah. <laughs> this is a great great uh, halftime analysis talk. I don't have much more of a junk tour. um another oh, thing thanks. you missed uh, well um, from the broadcast is there's just like Mark Brown was just going on 
It was basically just a segment trying to explain why Ursan Ilyasova is so ugly. Apparently, he's broken his nose like 17 times. Um, but I found that just to be uh, entertaining. And then, um, last thing, real nice Brad ATO uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, that that's not really junk, but uh, I Was see it in my notes. I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, it's the one that they yeah. tried in uh, Indiana earlier in the year that Kyrie actually messed up and led to Oladipo hitting the the game winner. But this time they got it, and uh, it was. Good stuff. Brad was great with his timeouts today. Yeah. It was uh, great stuff. Yeah, Here, here's a newsflash for everybody, that the regular season coaching is different than postseason coaching, and and that's just all i got to say about that. Another newsflash, Brad Stevens, actually good. He's good. He's a good coach, and if you think you're not, if you think you're better than him, you're not. It's, no. You're, you're not in the NBA, and he's, a, he's an NBA coach, and he's good at it. Um, so, all right, we'll just leave it there because we've got to do a podcast tomorrow. And there will be more to talk about, and some of it will overlap. So that's the show. Enjoy the win. Game one. Let's see if the Celtics can do game two. That will happen on Tuesday. That is an 8 p.m. Eastern game at Milwaukee in the Pfizer Forum. We'll talk about that. Then Monday is practice, so we'll... Whenever they have practice or shoot around or whatever it is, we'll let you know what happened there. So subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Go ahead and download that. It's a curated feed based on your interests. So download the new Himalaya podcast app to get that. And also, if you do not want to do that, you can do podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts live, we live to Tell your smart device at home or in your car to play podcast Locked On Celtics. All of you regular regular listeners, give us that five star rating, a good written review, and share the podcast. Spread the word. Tell everybody to listen to Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Locked On Celtics. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.